The KM Community Podcast, bringing you stories from Kent's communities every week. Hello and welcome to the KM Community Podcast. I'm Oliver Kemp and I'm back to bring you the stories at the heart of communities across the county. If you have a story you think needs to be told, you can email me on okemp at thekmgroup.co.uk. This week... As the coronavirus lockdown begins to ease in Kent and the rest of the country, our thoughts return to life before the pandemic. The businesses that enriched our lives, and I'm talking about gyms, pubs, bookshops, hair salons, campsites, have all been closed since March, but many look set to return as the virus is steadily brought under control. But the anticipation of reopening comes with a unique set of challenges for each different type of business, as owners strive to keep their offerings intact while still keeping their customers safe. And for some, a lack of guidance from the government has left entrepreneurs frustrated and confused as to how they can legitimately open and operate under social distancing guidelines at all. So to find out about the trials and tribulations facing Kent's businesses, I spoke to owners across the county about how they are preparing for the coming months. I started off speaking with Lee Walters, who owns Stone Hairdressing and has two premises, one in West Malling and another in Canterbury. Now, with hair taking on its own wild existence during lockdown, yet those who haven't tried cutting it themselves, and oh boy, some have tried, will be scrambling to make appointments with stylists as soon as they can. And with the provisional date of the 4th of July suggested to allow barbers and hair salons back open, it looks like Lee and her staff will have their hands busy very soon. So to ensure she can open and keep her customers safe, Lee has come up with some clever plans. We're going to have a traffic light system of um, sanitisation. So um, we're going to have so when something has been clean and sanitised, it'll have a green sticker on it. Um, if if it's um, if it needs cleaning, it'll have a red sticker on it, um, which alerts us to the fact it needs cleaning. We're going to ask customers as well. They're going to give them some red stickers and ask them to um, to if they if they go to the tweezer toilet or touch anything in the salon, they can stick a, a red post-it note on, and so we know that needs sanitising. There will also be no magazines available to flick through whilst waiting, and staff will be encouraging customers to bring their own refreshments. I don't want it to suddenly be a clinical experience. We still want it to be a nice, relaxing, sort of you know, lovely service for the customer, um, as well as obviously protecting them and the team from you know from the virus. But of course it will look and feel quite different to hair appointments before lockdown. The stylists at Stone Hairdressing will also be using disposable towels, disposable aprons and wearing masks to limit the potential spread of the virus. And with three months of customers anxious to get cuts, colouring and all the rest of it, they're going to have quite a task on their hands to fit everyone in. We've got 15 weeks worth of customers that are desperate to get their hair done. We're going to be opening the salon for a lot longer hours than normal now. Um, and the idea of this is basically so we don't have so many stylists in at one time, so we can limit the amount of people in the salon. Now what struck me when talking to all of these different businesses is that they appear to have one thing in common. They're working on reopening without the help of government guidelines. Lee has had to rely on what industry bodies have suggested, but even they are in the dark themselves. Which was exactly the same experience for Jay Atkins, who owns Core the Gym in Maidstone. Although no date has been provided for gyms to reopen, Jay, with the help of his staff, has redesigned the space of his 10,000 square foot gym to allow for safe social distancing whilst working out, but most of his planning has been styled on what gyms in other EU countries are doing. We haven't received any guidance other than suggestions from UK Active. 
However, there are countries that are slightly ahead of us in their precautions and planning. Uh, so we've looked at countries such as Spain and France and the steps they've taken to once again ensure a safe environment. We're fortunate enough to have a 10,000 square foot facility. However, that in itself can pose some challenges. Um, there was an element of trial and error. However, we feel like we've landed on the best possible design to ensure that our members aren't interrupted whilst using the facility. In the gym, we've managed to rearrange the entire space. It's been significant moving everything around, but essentially we've been able to ensure that there is a sensible, usable space between each piece of equipment, providing members with their safety. Whilst there are those itching to work out once more, there are probably equally, if not more, people yearning for a trip to the pub. There have been reports that some pubs and restaurants could reopen as early as the 22nd of June, but again, right now, it's all speculation in the industry. There's no doubt, though, that pub landlords are preparing to welcome drinkers back, with some going to complicated lengths to change their premises. Jamie Clark and Tom Mudge co-own the Dead Pigeon in Rochester. It's a craft beer bar which also does food and during lockdown the business pivoted to provide takeaway food and drink for people all over Medway. Jamie and Tom have already started planning a number of interesting features which they hope will fall in line with government guidelines, whatever they might be. The pair have devised a booking system on their website which will require people to book a slot before arriving at the pub. Tables will be distanced from each other to cater to both couples and larger groups of people. And the bar will also change to a table service to minimise the number of people away from their seats, customers being able to scan a QR code to order their food from wherever they sit. The owners are hoping to get some clarification on government guidelines and openings very soon. But for other businesses in the leisure industry, timelines are looking a lot bleaker. Husband and wife Andrew and Elizabeth Moody run Adventure Kids, a soft play area in Aylesford. Their goal of opening in the near future looks to be unlikely. With children bouncing around in ball ponds and whizzing down slides, they can see no easy way of reopening and responsibly applying social distancing and hygiene measures. The uncertainty of when they can open has the two worried for the future of their business, which has been exempt from financial help from the government throughout this pandemic. With the restrictions the government are putting in place at the moment, the social distancing ruling will potentially cut our footfall down to about 25-30%. Now for us to operate our business on a 25-30% to um, turnover, will obviously be unfinancially viable. Are the government expecting us to then have a member of staff sitting at the top of the slide to then come down the slide following that child down, cleaning behind them to then allow the next child down in a safe, in a clean environment? If that's what they're expecting, then that's unrealistic. We've had to take the balls out of the ball pool. That is a no-no. We're looking at how the children can go up on high ropes, which is one of our main features for the older children, we're having to look at quad bikes, how the children can sit on a quad bike and use that. You know, we're having to look at, okay, coming down the slide, um, how they can go up and down a slide, how they can touch things within the play area and still be safe. With so much uncertainty for a business like Andrew and Elizabeth's, they're both hoping the government take extra steps to protect a business like theirs from financial collapse. I think what the government have looked at, the government have looked at it globally 
and taken every single business as being equal. Unfortunately, they need to look at various sectors now, one being the leisure sector, high contact business, where everything is being touched within, with inside our business. And finally, what about small retail stores? We know that large retail giants like Primark and the supermarkets have the space to adopt one-way systems and keep customers away from each other. But small stores, often run by a sole trader or just a handful of staff, are not going to have the space or the resources to do this. I spoke to Phil Holden, owner of Mr Books in Tunbridge. His shop is small and cramped and it has that charm you expect from an independent bookshop. With the way things currently are though, Phil sees no way he can safely open anytime soon. It's a real dilemma because although we'd like to open, just the nature of a bookshop and the kind of size of the shop means that it's going to be really difficult because of course we, we, we don't want to open unless it's completely safe. The shelves are less than two metres apart from each other. That kind of stuff is uh, is almost impossible. Certainly in the, in the shop we've got, and in many small shops, it must be it must be the same. But here's where the approach of small businesses can and is differing completely. Nick Piggott runs Vinyl Store Junior in Canterbury and has a store even smaller than Mr Books. Now any record lover will know the joy of visiting a store like that is hunting through the stacks, picking out as many records as possible, reading the back covers, etc. And this throws up that fear of contamination between customers touching the same products, this exact fear Phil has in his bookshop. But Nick has a different plan. He will buzz customers in one at a time and make them sanitise their hands before entering and before leaving. He believes these measures will reduce the risk of the virus spreading on products everyone's touched and is planning to reopen on the 19th of June. See, that's two very different approaches for two very similar kind of businesses. But which one's right? Well, until the government publishes detailed advice for all of these different types of businesses, that remains unclear, not only to members of the public, but also to those business owners. Thank you for listening to the KM Community Podcast. I've been Oliver Kemp and we'll be back very soon. The KM Community Podcast, bringing you stories from Kent's communities every week.